Welcome to the 5-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Pri, and today we are joined by Nikki Pepper. How are you doing, Nikki? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, happy Wednesday. Yes, happy Wednesday. Glad to be here. Could you please give an introduction of yourself? Yeah, so my name is Nikki Pepper. I'm down here in Miami, Florida. I am a personal trainer as well as a group fitness instructor here. Um, and I've been doing this for a few years now, and it's something I'm really passionate about and love to share with the rest of the world. What made you want to get into that? So I've always kind of been into sports my whole life. I um, grew up doing gymnastics, did competitive cheerleading uh, in college. Then kind of after college, I started working for Reebok, which is a fitness brand for footwear as well as apparel. Um, And I've always just loved being able to kind of help people and make them live happier and healthier lives and wanted to be able to do for other people what fitness has done for me. How long did you do gymnastics for? I did gymnastics from age five all the way up until age 18. So my entire life was kind of after school, always going to practice and always learning new things and getting better. So right from as far as I can remember, I've been been active and healthy. How long did you uh, does this practice for for gymnastics normally last, especially during like say like a normal school week? Uh, I would say as I started to get older, it was a little bit longer. Um, I was very I was very competitive, and it was up to like twenty twenty five hours a week, so pretty serious. But I loved every second of it. So it's a big time commitment, but super fun at the same time. Would you say the same is? Um would you say it's the same for cheerleading, you know, like the amount of time that you have to put in? Uh, cheerleading was a little bit less just because uh, the the team that I did do, it was more, it was still competitive, but because it was in college, it was only a few hours a week, maybe closer to 10 to 12, so a little bit lighter there, but still good to uh, stay active in college as well. Were you the person that was, uh, you know, like doing like the flips down the side while all of the girls are like going like 20 feet in the air or were you the one that was going 20 feet in the air? I was a little bit of both. They kind of <laughs> put me wherever they needed me. I was up in the air. I was down on the ground. I was pretty versatile. I like to do a little bit of everything. That's cool. How was your experience working for Reebok? Oh, Reebok, Reebok was awesome. So what I really liked about that is kind of going from college and thinking about like, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? Like at that point in time, I knew I loved fitness and I I went to a business school and kind of thought like, how can I combine those things to, you know, help people make a difference in their life. And through that, I found the company and making the products like footwear and apparel that allow you to do that. That was pretty fulfilling for me. Um, It was some super cool opportunities, like things like going out to the CrossFit games, working with different athletes, um, helping to have input into the feedback of our product and making it better for the consumer. So all really cool experiences and kind of working for that larger international brand is really cool to see how things work on like a large scale. Um, And then kind of using that experience going forward into what I'm doing now. Was that right after college? Yes, that was uh, right after college um, up in Boston, Massachusetts, where I'm originally from. And from there, they moved me down to Miami to kind of cover South Florida, all things Reebok. Uh, and long story short, I ended up 
meeting someone who works for my current facility that I train people at, which is anatomy in South Beach. Um, and from there, I kind of transitioned into my new role as a personal trainer down here. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, uh, just to go off topic for a second, um, yeah. my my co-host and I, we did a a countdown of like the top like 15 sayings that Boston has given um you know, like the the rest of the the country. Okay, now you don't have a typical Boston accent. Okay, but I'm curious. <laughs> I'm very curious. Have you ever used the term Babados? Uh, no, but I do. Te- I do tend to use the word wicked pretty often. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that was a wicked good game. The Super Bowl, pretty good. <laughs> okay, okay. So you're a big. Uh, are you a big Patriots fan? A uh, big Patriots fan. All the Boston sports. Can't really. You're kind of born and born and bred that way up there. So I'd say the the past uh, you know twenty years, Boston sports has has really been on fire. I mean, like like all four teams have been you know winning championships you know consistently for the past yeah maybe like fifteen twenty years. Yeah, it's uh it's one after the next. It's uh, three months apart, and there'll be too long between uh, coming in first. Right, right. So, um, what what would you say is is most fulfilling about what you do? So, the most fulfilling thing I would say is definitely getting to see someone's progress from when they first start and they're kind of unsure of themselves. And a lot of their, a lot of the things that you think about is, oh, people want to, you know, lose body fat, they want to lose weight, but the real changes you see are more in the emotional side of things, which is kind of gaining confidence, like being able to play with your kids and things that are way outside the the realm of looking good and losing weight. Um, just seeing that, you know, that building confidence and a change in someone's personality and kind of outlook on life is kind of the most rewarding and seeing that you're able to help guide someone along that path. How long do you think it takes for, you know, the average person to start building that confidence? I would say it it depends on kind of their starting point because some people, they've already been into fitness for a few years. Some people are brand new, um, depending on their, you know, their personal life at home, work-life balance, their stress levels. But typically after, after a couple months, someone's really, if they're consistent with it, which is one of the most important things, they're going to see some sort of positive change as long as they're, they're sticking to a few different things that we'll kind of cover. Have you encountered any hardships or challenges with fitness? Um, definitely. I know, uh, just from that, my brief introduction, it kind of sounds like I've, I've always been fit and which is the case, but also not the case because at certain times I've either gotten a really bad injury or kind of fallen off track. So there's been a few times where I've had to lose upwards of like 20, 25 pounds coming back from an injury or something like that. So just know that even those people who kind of seem like, oh, they're always fit and things are easy, uh, in the background, it, it's not always easy and there's always going to be ups and downs. So it's never going to be like a linear line of progress, more like waves up, down, up, down. What kind of injuries did you have? Uh, some injuries, a couple injuries from gymnastics. The main ones would be uh, lower back, I had some L4, L5 uh, fractures and bulging discs. That was probably the worst one. Uh, so that took that took a while to heal and kind of come back from. But always know that 
even when things seem kind of like hopeless, they're, they will get better and there are ways to work around injuries and kind of get back to being healthy and feeling good. I would definitely say that there's a lot of people, you know, of all ages that, that have some kind of lower back or, you know, like lingering, lingering back issues. What would you say are, um, what would you say is a good, um, say routine to maybe stretch out your lower back? Yeah. Um, in terms of lower back, like there are a few kind of main causes or main things that you can do to remedy it. A lot of it is most of our, most of our lives were kind of, you know, in this office life, sitting at a desk kind of hunched over and kind of just in that sedentary lifestyle. So number one is just kind of being active, uh, in terms of kind of strengthening the low back and like preventing different injuries definitely a lot of core exercises. So having a strong abdominal muscles as well as the muscles in your back is going to help you kind of stabilize around that spine as well as doing some strengthening exercises for your hips, uh, which are also kind of help you in making sure your spine stays safe. For someone who doesn't exercise, what would be the beginning stages for them on their fitness journey? Yeah, so one of the most difficult things is someone who's brand new to fitness, like where do I even begin? And kind of one, a couple things that I would encourage people to do that are brand new would definitely be to sign up for a membership at a gym. Um, and that would be kind of reaching out to either friends or family or kind of browsing the internet for places in your area, giving a couple uh, trials to some places and see which ones feel like the best fit. Uh, becoming a member somewhere is definitely going to get you surrounded by the people that are going to support you, kind of finding a community uh, that will help you along with that journey. And with that membership or whatever you end up signing up for, either finding a certified trainer or starting to take group fitness track classes as one of the most important things will be to learn correct form and making sure you're doing the exercises safely so definitely investing in uh, learning how to do things the correct way and the smart way to avoid getting hurt and kind of getting on the right plan for success. You know, I think there's a lot of people, you know, they're like, you know what, you know, it's uh, it's it's December 30th, you know, I'm going to do my annual New Year's resolution of getting fit, you know, and they go to a gym and either they, A, they don't get a personal trainer and they start, you know, you know, hitting with, you know, hitting on the elliptical and then doing, you know, leg extensions and, you know, they don't work out properly or they do get a, a trainer and they, and, you know, they stay on it for a little bit, but, you know, they kind of fall off the wagon and then they kind of, um, you know, go back to doing the same exercises that they, you know, that they normally do that they think is, is good. What do you think is a good, um, like like a good um, routine or like idea to get rid of these old bad habits of doing you know whatever exercise you think is work than you know say seeking a, a professional. Yeah, um, so some some different foundational exercises for beginners is I would always encourage to keep it simple. So I think a lot of the confusion in today's world is kind of like the overwhelming amount of information out there on on social media and on the internet like 
you'll have these kind of like Instagram trainers putting out these like crazy exercises. And it's like, how, how can I, how am I supposed to do that? I, I don't even, I don't know how to do that. But really going back to the basics, which would be six or seven foundational movements, including a squat, a lunge, a hinge, also known as a deadlift, any sort of pushing movement, which would be like a push up, a bench press, dumbbell bench press, a shoulder press, a pulling movement, such as a pull up, a row, lat pull down, a seated cable row, things like that, as well as some sort of carry, like farmer's carry and other core work as well as some rotational thing so those are any movements you see in the gym can be broken down into any of those seven or so different movements what would you say like uh maybe like for home like home exercises that that people can do as well yeah so different home exercises um starting out i've heard a lot of things from people like i need to get in shape before i go to the gym Um, which is understandable as first starting out. So some things you can practice would be some of the ones I just listed, simply using your your body weight to get comfortable. So just doing a body weight air squat is going to be great. You can also purchase some really easy and uh, portable home equipment, some of those being like a a mat that you can lay down on to, again, protect your back, Uh, some mini resistance bands, pair of light dumbbells and a kettlebell and you can kind of start to progressively add weight to those exercises such as adding the kettlebell to the squat once you feel comfortable and in those things you can do in your own home yeah i agree with you you know when you um you know i said in a couple podcasts ago you know we were talking about a uh, crossfit and um you know when you turn on on instagram and you know you got people you know doing um you know rowing or they're doing, um, you know, they're doing like some uh, some rings work, and then they jump down, and that they hit the assault bike for twenty calories, and then they practically fall off of it, you know, because they're, you know, they're probably going to pass out. And a lot of people see that, and yeah, sure, I guess you know it looks it looks hardcore, you know, you know, to do that, you know, could you could you explain like how dangerous that is for the average person to do because. You know, when you see these CrossFit athletes, a lot of them are very, I mean, they're in an absolutely incredible shape. So their bodies can kind of, I guess you could say, take that kind of abuse. But like the regular person sees that and they might try and emulate that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And one of the things with CrossFit, um, I do, I love it. I, I compete at it and I think it's it's great for all kind of different ranges of people is to kind of understand and know the difference between what you're seeing at the CrossFit Games, that is like an elite level, like NFL level, like competitor. And then you have CrossFit for for the sake of exercise. So you have that elite CrossFitter, they're trying to make it to the Games, they're making a career of it. And that's on a totally different end of the spectrum of someone who's just trying to use it to have different uh, variety in their workouts and kind of try different things each day, keep their workouts interesting, keep it functional. So definitely knowing your scaling options. So whenever you see a workout written in CrossFit, uh, usually on the board, it'll be called like RX or as prescribed. And what that means is at the box, that workout is written for the top person that they typically see coming into that box, which may be someone who competes locally. And then from there, uh, that CrossFit instructor 
is supposed to offer scaling options for those that are beginners. So one example of that would be like a ring muscle up, like you mentioned, um, which could be super dangerous for someone who's brand new and kind of tries to go up there and might like tear their shoulder out. But one really good scaling option for that would be like an inverted ring row, which you can do at any level. You can put your feet as high or low as you want on the ground and just simply work on that same pulling motion. And you can progressively make that harder by starting to bring your feet out further. So just knowing different options that you can do this same workout and still have it be applicable to whatever fitness level you're at at the moment. Quick question. Another thing is, uh, you know, like a lot of people, you know, obviously when you're competing in CrossFit, you're trying to, you know, do it for time, you know. Mm -hmm. So obviously you're trying to make your movements more efficient. You know, would, would you say that people, when they when they do CrossFit, that they shouldn't do it for time, that they should do it for, you know, making sure that they're doing the exercises and, and moves properly so that they get, you know, the most out of their workout? Yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a great question. And it's always a very tricky balance between you want to have it fast enough that you're still kind of getting that heart rate amped up and getting that metabolic effect but you do want to make sure you're going slow enough that you do have correct form. So it's a very um, like precise balance between the two. I would say, especially for the beginner, opt on the side of going slower and doing it right, because once you're able to do those movements correctly and you feel comfortable with them, then you're able to start to pick up speed. So definitely primarily form over speed will always come first. And then, the more used to it you get, the more fitter you become, then you can kind of start to push the limits there and see how you can shave a few seconds off your time each time on a similar workout. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast, right? Exactly. <laughs> what exercises would you say uh, to stay away from at the beginning? Yeah, so kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. So anything that's, you know, super complex, I would like the saying goes, keep it simple, stupid, the kiss saying, which goes for a lot of different things. Um, oh, yeah. Simple things work. They're they're simple, and they're used again and again for a reason. Uh, that would be my first rule. And then my second rule of thumb is anything that causes pain um, outside the sense of, you know, it being difficult. Um, if you feel any sort of low back pain, shoulder pain, always listen to your body. Uh, I know a lot of... Or, Sometimes people kind of have that boot camp, boot camp mentality of like, oh, no, no pain, no gain. But there's a difference between having pain from it, you know, being difficult and being being a little bit sore or pain being your body telling you stop like my, you know, your bone structure or some sort of old, old injury or undiscovered injury is telling you to, to stop or you're going to do more damage. So keeping it simple and avoiding any sort of pain throughout the movement. What are some of the, would you say, you know, typical, you know, you know, an example of, you know, someone having more grandiose plans when they, when they come to you, like say someone comes to you and they're like, yeah, I want to, uh, I want to do, uh, you know, 60 pull-ups and, uh, I want to run up a, a mile in, in four minutes, you know, like how do you, how do you manage like a client's expectations? Oh, definitely. That's, that's a great question. So, uh, it's really, I really love people that do come in with some sort of goal in mind and sometimes you do have to kind of check and see where they're at first it's like okay well well when when was the last time you worked out or tell me tell me your last 
like workout routine and they'll say, Oh, I haven't, I haven't trained in three years. Okay. Well, let's try to take a couple steps back and kind of break that goal into smaller goals. So before we, you know, do 60 pull-ups, let's do 10 strict, really good pull-ups. And then we can kind of reevaluate and reassess from there. So I really like the method of setting smaller goals that are more attainable and that way you feel more accomplished as you start to accomplish them sooner rather than kind of feeling defeated by a goal that might be too big at the time but eventually will be attainable. I'm someone who kind of, you know, I I pride uh, discipline over motivation and a lot of people, you know, they, especially starting out, they, you know, they have well-intentioned at the beginning but you know what, they fall off. And they want to get back, but, you know, laziness, you know, kind of creeps in, you know. And I think everybody gets that, you know, every once in a while. That's why I believe in discipline because, you know, discipline will get you there every day. But motivation, you know, you run out of motivation quick. What do you – what would you say, you know, to tell somebody like, hey, you know, just keep going or, you know, just keep coming back in? Like what do you do personally to get people to, uh, to come back in? Yeah, that's um that's a really good question and I think one of the main things that I I always address in my my first one-on-one meeting for with someone is what are what are your biggest challenges uh in the past that have either prevented you from, you know, reaching your goals or kind of stopped you from coming in or taking a break from your routine. So definitely identifying obstacles before they happen so that you can set uh, procedures into place to kind of prevent that from happening again. Uh, a couple different examples that I can think of offhand would be like accountability. So one of the things that's really helpful is if you're more likely to show up for something, if you feel accountable, one thing can be finding a friend that, you know, you're going to go to the gym with at the same time every day. And you'll feel like you're letting that person down if, you know, you don't show up uh, to train with them. So finding a training partner or as well as finding a personal trainer and making an appointment. And, you know, if you don't make your appointment, then you either lose that appointment or you're going to get charged for it, whatever percentage or you miss the session. So finding ways to keep yourself accountable, I think is, uh, is a good rule of thumb. Yeah, that's got to be difficult, you know, and, and incredibly frustrating at the same time, because, you know, you're trying to help somebody, but, you know, <laughs> They don't show up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, obviously, the, there are people. There's, I'm sure, there's a good amount of people who do who do stick with it. And like everybody at the beginning, they experience the the soreness and the and the uh, you know the aches and pains. What do you think? Um, what do you think is is good to help people like mitigate the mitigate the soreness? Yeah. So depending on where the person is starting out from, one way to kind of ease back into a fitness routine would be to start off with total body workouts. So kind of those movements I mentioned earlier of the squat, the lunge, the hinge, an upper body movement, uh, some core. So if you were to just do one or two exercises of each muscle group, that way you're not going to, for example, do an all all legs day um, because if you haven't trained in a while and you're doing all legs, you're kind of building up 
more lactic acid in that same muscle group. Whereas if you spread it out through all different muscle groups and then instead go multiple days a week doing total body, that's going to help out someone who's brand new. Uh, also focusing on different recovery aspects, which are just as important as the training itself. Uh, a few of the most important ones being sleep. So getting enough sleep, that means that's different for every individual. Um, but sleep is when your body repairs itself and can help with that soreness. Uh, proper nutrition, so making sure you're having protein after your meals, which help, helps your muscles rebuild uh, those tears that occurred during training. Other things like doing a, a cold plunge or a cold shower and making sure to spend ample time warming up and cooling down. So warming up with like a dynamic warm-up and doing some sort of cool down and then some things like foam rolling, different mobility work and things of that nature. What kind of a, what kind of cold, um, you know, cause I, I'm, I'm seeing it everywhere now, you know, there's, there's people like jumping into the pond and you know, it's 40 degrees and you know, I get it. It's cool. But like, what kind of, um, like what does the cold actually do to your body? Yeah. So, One of the features that we have at our facility in South Beach is a cold plunge. And what that does is it restricts the blood flow so that your blood, so when you go into something that's cold, what your body does as a mechanism to kind of save itself is your body will leave, the blood will leave the lower extremities and like your fingertips, your toes, and kind of rush to your organs. And then sort of like a a flushing mechanism, then it flushes back out um, as you kind of regain heat there. So that kind of, in simple terms, it it flushes uh, the system. And that would be kind of one of the main benefits. And it also helps with other benefits as well as like oxygen uptake and things like that. Think of it like a, a giant ice pack as well. Do you ever do any like uh, any like cold water meditation or anything like that? I've done different sort of breathing exercises. I've taken there's a guy whose name is it's a Wim Hof. So a lot of that will be kind of practicing like breathing when you're in the cold, which can just kind of help you deal with that uh, cold shock because it is definitely uncomfortable to be in there. So focusing on slowing down the breath, slowing down the heart rate, and staying in a calm state, making sure the body doesn't get in that panic mode because we do want it to be um, relaxing and panic. The body sees it as like a threat. He's, you know, he's that guy who, um, like you see pictures of him. Yeah, the ice man. Okay, I was was just going to say that. I heard that that guy climbed, um, he almost got to the tip of... uh, of Mount Everest without in, in shorts and <laughs> which is unbelievable. I, I, I read about that earlier today. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, it's, it's the same guy and, you know, and that's absolutely remarkable because he says that he's trying to sit, um, he's trying to change the way that people breathe and he's trying to change the way that, um, that people, um, how they perceive their physiology. And, you know, that's incredibly interesting because, you know, there's times when you're like, oh, man, I'm cold, you know, but then you're, you know, say you're at a, like, I'm in Chicago, so if if you're at a Bears game, you're sitting out there and you're cold, you're like, okay, I'm cold, but, you know, you'll sit out there for four hours, and you'll be cold for four hours, and you'll be okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I wonder what, like, the, uh, 
what the mind. I, I got to look into that guy more because you know he's really interesting. But I'm I'm curious on on what the mindset thing that he's that he's that he's pushing that that can get you to do that. Have you have you looked into him at all? Yeah, actually, well, I, I took his seminar last year. I'd have to. Oh, you met him. We went over some stuff. Um, I have to take a look at my notes again, but a lot of it kind of has to do, and I don't want to misspeak here, but that kind of mind over matter of getting yourself into a calm state. Um, When you actually use um, like nasal breathing, this is kind of like a slightly separate topic uh, that helps kind of calm the nervous system down as well. So if you're ever feeling frantic and whatnot, when you breathe through your nose, um, it causes kind of like a calming sensation to put it simply. And then when you see people panting on a breath and breathing through their mouth, uh, that causes more of like a, a panic response. So that's kind of one strategy. And I'm also a very big fan of meditation in general. And I've used different apps such as Headspace or Calm to kind of use that as a guided meditation. Um, in the past, I've had a hard time of just kind of sitting and trying to meditate on my own, thinking of like, what do I have to do tomorrow? And wh- what happened today? And like, what do I, what do I have next week? But when you have that, guided voice in the app or maybe maybe a class um it kind of takes you out of the present out of the moment and then into exactly what you're supposed to be focusing on whether that be your breath or a single sound or a single feeling uh and it really it's a really cool sensation when you finally you get it right um and you feel very present and it really does calm you down do you do any yoga Um, I don't do yoga too much. I wish I did because I feel like it is, again, like we talked about, a good recovery aspect, not only for the body, but also for the mind. Uh, And that is something that I would look more into and would encourage people to do as well, as I have have some fellow coworkers that are yoga instructors. And anytime I've taken their class, it's been a really rewarding and positive experience. Yeah, it is. It's. I, I mean, I started doing it maybe two months ago, and I found it to be an incredibly good um, stress reliever. You know, because obviously you have bad days, you want to go to the gym and you know pound some plates or something. You know, and you know that's you know that's effective. But you know, there's other days where you know things are just bothering you and they're lingering and they're lingering. And you know, maybe you go to the gym and and, and you hit it, and you know afterwards you don't feel any better. I found that yoga can help you you know, kind of just let that stuff go. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah, uh, and it's, it's a, it's a, like you said, it's, I think it's a really great, um, a really great, um, recovery, uh, active recovery thing. We'll get into that in a minute, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, yeah. And especially cause like, there's a lot of breathing that goes into it. You know, like you were saying, they, they tell you to breathe through the nose and, and through your mouth. And I find it to be like, like you said, incredibly relaxing, and it really helps, kind of, uh, you know, you know, kind of just let let the stress go in a way. And I've wanted to start getting into meditating because I mean, I've never really done that because, you know, like you, I kind of when I sit down, you know, I've got like fifteen things going through my head, and and I can imagine that it's it's really difficult. And I haven't I haven't started to. I haven't started, you know, to, to pursue that yet, but, but I will, but, uh, so yeah. And you know what I, I read, I read, what's his name's, um, that guy's name, the, 
he's like the he's like really hardcore. David Goggins. I read his book, and he was talking about. There's a section of his book where he talks about the PSOAs, and he was talking about like these health issues that he was having, you know, and he thought he was dying, and he didn't know what the heck it was, and and, and everything, and he found out that it was because like he doesn't he doesn't stretch, or he yeah. he he didn't stretch very much. And he, and he, so he, he was like, okay, so he started stretching, you know, like hours for a day. And then he found out that his symptoms were starting to subside, symptoms that he was having. Cause he, at one point he was running like, you know, he was doing the bad water 135 miles. And then, uh, you know, just an elite athlete, he was doing ultra marathons. He was doing ultra triathlons, you know, just a tremendous athlete. And then out of nowhere, he, he couldn't run. He said, you know, like practically two blocks without having, you know, like his heart, his heart race. And um, he found out that that his PSOAs were just like way too tight. And there's a lot of yoga, a lot of yoga stretches that stretch that out. And I didn't even know that. And he also said that because um, our bodies, the way that they work is when our muscles get tight and we get tense, it's hard for for blood to to flow through our bodies. So that yoga and stretching, um, you know, it it loosens our muscles and it allows the blood to go freely, and that's why we get the like uh, like we're more awake or we have like a good and we have a more relaxed feeling after doing yoga and stretching. Sorry, I went off on a <laughs> on a tangent there. All very good stuff, and that reminds me of that whole you know the importance of recovery, and we talked a little bit about active recovery, so. Once people do get into that routine, that's actually one of the things that is most commonly neglected. And, you know, it's it's super important because you, you want to keep doing your routine, but you can't, um, you know, beat yourself into the ground and not spend the time to rebuild yourself. Um, so, like, one of those, one of the ways is to make sure to always include one or two, like, just pure recovery days, as well as adding it to the beginning or end of your routine, um, working on, you know, different different weak areas, as well as areas that may have old injuries or things that are causing you pain, like you mentioned the, the psoads, um, which is a common cause of low back pain as well. Um, so really focusing on that to make sure you're able to stay in the gym and not getting derailed by this, like, debil- debilitating pain that could you know prevent you from reaching your goals what would you say is the importance of cardio so with cardio i would say it's definitely important um and i would say to mix into routine but strength training really takes a priority uh in my opinion and with the cardio to be the most efficient with your time i would make it uh interval training so kind of going for intense bouts at a time and then taking either um, a quick rest or going at a slower speed for a little bit. So that could be either, you know, treadmill sprints or one machine that I I truly love and is kind of uh, been doing a lot this year is the Concept 2 rowing machine. So it works the whole body. It's your legs, it's your back, it's your arms. Um, Super efficient. Uh, You can, you're still working your muscles there, but you are getting that heart rate up. Um, definitely important for your health in terms of your heart, your lungs, and keeping you healthy in that sense. 
Um, Because you definitely don't want to do only strength training and then go up a flight of stairs and be out of breath. Like, you got (laughs) to keep everything, like, well-rounded. So you might be super strong, but if you can't, you know, run a little bit to to escape whatever danger, um, you're going to be... too much on one side, not enough of the other thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, um, you know, of people, you know, getting fit to if they ever needed to defend themselves, you know, or yeah. or if they needed to, you know, help their loved ones, you know, like, you know, what if you're in like a, you know, like a, God forbid, a train derailment, you know, and you need to pull yourself up, you know, a few, a few rows of seats, you know, what are you going to do? Just lay there and, you know, not do anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For sure. And um, in terms of the the cardio too, the one thing that I would caution people is that kind of traditional thing you see of someone, you know, running 45 minutes or 45 minutes just chilling on the elliptical. Like you want it to be intense and productive. Um, And then also when you do that long duration steady state cardio, that does take away from some of the uh, strength that you're working on in your weight training. So just being mindful of what your goals are. If your goal is to do something like a, you know, like a long distance marathon or you like to do triathlons or um, cycling and that's your goal, then that's something you should focus more on. But if you are looking to, you know, work on your strength and more on that realm of things, just being cautious of, how much steady state cardio that you're incorporating because one will kind of take away from the other. A lot of people, you know, when you talk about cardio, they think that, you know, you go outside and you go and run for, uh, you know, you go run two miles or what have you other than, um, other than running, you know, what are some different types of cardio other than running and, and rowing? I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of the rower like you are because it's, it works everything. And actually if you really think about it, it's got to be more efficient than running because, I mean, like you said, you're using your arms, you're using your legs, you're using your back, you're using your core. You know, you're using everything. Yeah, definitely. There's um, a few other machines as well. There's a machine called a skier. You can hop on a bike, either an airdyne bike, an assault bike, or your traditional bike. You could go to a spin class. You could do the Stairmaster. Um, you can also turn body weight or... Uh, lightweight training into cardio so you could do a bodyweight circuit and one way to turn that into cardio is just to shorten your rest so you could do squats push-ups um etc and just do it non-stop and then or fast short and fast with a little bit of rest in between and that way you're kind of getting the best of both worlds so i like to call it fake cardio because it's a little more fun (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's what I, I like to do. I like to do the same thing. I, I do like like kind of like circuits, I guess, because yeah, exactly. I mean, you get it done. You get it done a lot quicker in a way. And at the same time, like I mean, you're really putting in uh, a lot of a lot of effort, you know? Yeah, exactly. So a lot of a big word that gets thrown around is functional fitness. And I don't think a lot of people know what it is. Could you uh, could you define uh, what functional fitness is? Yes, definitely. So it's uh, definitely become one of those uh, like uh, ca- like taboo words of like, what what is, oh, it's functional, it's not functional. So when we use the word function, what we're really saying is that something has a purpose. Um, so a lot of that is, for example, when you squat, 
Um, the purpose of that is one purpose could be being able to sit or stand out of a chair. Um, anything that kind of is able to translate into something in life, um, I would call functional as well as it involves multiple joints in the motion as well as integrating different muscle groups and movement patterns um, in different planes. I know that's, that's kind of broad, but for example, something that's more traditional like bodybuilding would be like working a biceps curl. Like you're only using one joint, you're going up and down. That's not to say it doesn't have a purpose, but it's not functional in the sense of a deadlift would be picking up a heavy box or picking up your kids off the ground. Like that's the function more or less of that movement. Yeah. How many, how often do you, do you curl things and, you know, during a day? (laughs) Yeah. And, um, one thing I like to do is I would, I would define my style at my, my personal training style is primarily quote unquote functional, but definitely still incorporating those little things as what we call accessory work. So you have your primary things like your squat, your deadlift, et cetera. But then working on your, quote, accessories, such as triceps extensions, et cetera, to prevent certain injuries of the elbow um, and just kind of fine-tuning the little details at the end of the workout as a little a bonus and a preventative measure. So wrapping things up, uh, you know, it's just, you know, we're at the end of the workout. Let's, can we just cover the, you know, active recovery, just uh, kind of like a recap really quickly. You know, yoga is one um, cold immersion is another what other uh active recovery uh things can people do yes um a couple of my favorite ones would be uh smr which is like uh something like foam rolling so using either a foam roller um a lacrosse ball something to kind of get into the soft tissue and that kind of breaks apart and eases up uh that top layer over that covers over the muscle um, that would also be things like getting massage using like a, a hypervolt or a Theragun, so more soft tissue work. <clears throat> All those things definitely very important. Working on mobility actively, which is kind of how far your joints are able to move in an active range of motion. So um, working on those things to be able to do things uh, in your workouts better. So one example would be, you know, getting the correct overhead position. So if you want to do something like a snatch or an overhead press, you want to make sure you have the range of motion to support that not only passively, but to actively be able to hold something there. Um, So definitely incorporating those into uh, the end or the beginning of the workout. Would you say that, you know, say, you you know, you go do your workout, you know, Monday, uh, Wednesday and and Friday, would you say that maybe playing a sport, you know, is is a good, good mode of uh, active recovery? Um, I wouldn't, depending on what the sport is. um, So something that's definitely a little bit lighter on the, on the body. So maybe something like golf or like a light, a light game of, of soccer or something, something that you're not you're not feeling super beat up the next day. Um, Oh, another example is just going for a walk, getting some fresh air, um, taking a leisurely stroll. So just doing things that you're moving, but you're not feeling beat up or drained afterwards. Well, 
Thank you very much, Nikki. It was a very informative podcast. I appreciate your time. Yes, definitely. And then I have um, just as like a closing, a closing thought in just fitness overall and kind of some advice for, for those beginners or people that might uh, struggle is find something that you enjoy doing. Um, because if you enjoy doing it, you're going to come back to it and it'll become a habit and something that's going to last you a lifetime. And where can, uh, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is salt and pepper, <laughs> of course. So it's S A L T dot N dot P E P P A H. And I'll give you a follow back and definitely feel free to message me with any questions. I'm always willing to help out. And where, uh, where are you located at the, uh, fit Academy uh, in Miami? It's, uh, in, uh, anatomy in South beach and the, Instagram handle for that is just at anatomy and you can find me there right in the heart of South beach. Not too bad down here. <laughs> right, right in the sun, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, warm and 80 degrees here. Sorry, everyone else. Uh, oh man. Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like uh, 20 and, uh, and glory here. <laughs> yeah. Don't miss that. So All right, guys. Come by. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is Nikki and pre out. Mm-hmm.